0: Welcome to C3 Wellington. We're a community on a mission to live, love, and lead like Jesus. For more information about C3 Wellington, and to find out about upcoming events and services, visit our website, c3wellington.com. We're so glad you're joining us for this message. We pray it impacts you today. And this morning we're uh, in another message series, another message, excuse me, in the on repeat series called We Choose the Boat. This is a, an exact message I've preached before. Last, one was a hi, last week was a hybrid of a couple of messages, uh, and this one is just straight up. I've preached this one before. Uh, we choose the boat, and that is that if we're, we are relationship-focused, but we're also mission-focused. Okay, we're mission-focused. I love the word fellowship. It's friendship plus partnership. It's, it's relationship on a mission. It's going somewhere together. You're not just sitting around a campfire singing Kumbaya and just loving life together. Isn't this lovely? We've actually got a mission. We've got something we're trying to achieve. We're trying to do something. We're trying to grow. So there's something we're up to. And so uh, I want to pick up in John 15, and I want to read to you seven verses. Uh, and uh, we're going to start in verse 1 of chapter 15 of John. It says this. Many dishonest tax collectors and other notorious sinners who often gathered around to listen as Jesus taught the people. Don't you love that? I mean, I love the fact that <laughs> tax collectors who, look, okay, so, I mean, I don't want to sort of get down too many side checks here, but there were Jewish tax collectors, which means that when Rome invaded and took over Israel and Judea and that area, uh, they would impose heavy war taxes on the people to fund their war mission of, of, of global domination. And uh, and what they would do then is they'd find people within the community, uh, local people, They'll give them sort of a, 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 a title of power, even though they are under power. And so they'd have these tetrarchies and these people that are like, You're the king. King Herod, you're the king. He ain't the king. The emperor's the king, but it gives them this like, you we're gonna allow with a bit of power, and then you can subject the people as to how we want them. So you're gonna subject your people to our ways, and so it's like a sellout thing to power. And then you had tax collectors, people that would like take up the role of heavily taxing their own people, and so they were hated. These people were making they were making money off of the abusive nature of, a, of, a, of this uh, Roman Empire that was subjugating the people. And so to be a tax collector was basically to, to take money from your own people wrongly and, and so tax collectors were not loved people. They were... They sold out their, 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 their people, their culture, for, for, for money. So tax collectors and other notorious sinners, notorious sinners, used to gather. Not just sinners. Don't you love the language? It's not just that this person went 55 and a 50. You know, it's not just this person, you know, said a couple of choice four-letter words, right? This is, come on, this is notorious sinners, man. And they, for some reason, were drawn to Jesus. Don't you love that? Don't you love that they were drawn to Jesus? Is there something about Jesus that's attractive? Uh, and, and it's funny how we can posture and position and the, and the, the world could see the church completely opposite. Like, like there's, you, there's nothing that draws me to this, this gathering. In fact, I don't think I'd be accepted or welcomed in this gathering. And so therefore I feel like there's a sense of I don't want to be a part of this. But yet Jesus draws the tax collectors and notorious sinners. And he taught the people. I love this. Uh, so and okay. So he te- and he teaches. Man, I'm, I'm, I'll get to my message. But he teaches, right? He's not afraid to he draw, but he's not afraid to speak the truth. Yeah. He's drawing them because there's something about him that's loving and accepting and welcoming. Yet he doesn't have to mince his words. He's still able to speak the truth and love. I love this about him. This raises concerns with the Jewish religious leaders and experts of the law. Indignant, they grumbled and complained, saying, Look at how this man associates with all those notorious sinners and welcomes them all to come to him. <laughs> Don't you? <laughs> I can't believe they're indignant because he welcomes them to come to him. Man, amazing. Amazing, the religious leaders of the day. In response, Jesus gives them this illustration. There once was a shepherd with a hundred lambs, but one of his lambs wandered away and was lost. So the shepherd left the 99 lambs out in the open field and searched in the wilderness for that one lost lamb. He didn't stop until he finally found it. With exuberant joy, he raised it up and placed it on his shoulders. With exuberant joy, he raised it up and placed it on his shoulders, carrying it back with cheerful delight. Returning home, he called all his friends and neighbors together and said, "Let's have a party. Come and celebrate with me with the return of my lost lamb. It wandered away, but I found it and brought it home. I brought it home. Key words, yeah? So Jesus continued, in the same way, there will be a glorious celebration in heaven over the rescue of one lost sinner who repents, comes back home, and returns to the fold, more so than all the righteous people who never strayed away. (laughs) Isn't this a powerful moment? Isn't this expressing, isn't Jesus expressing something here that is so Keen to his heart, so much so, so dear to his to his to his to his his mission and his purpose. He's expressing here how important it is for lost people to come home. In that moment of teaching, he was more excited and engaged about that tax collector coming. It's like this guy here. I have an opportunity. He's lost, but I have an opportunity to speak to him and to raise him up and to bring him home. This notorious sinner that everyone sees in this way. Well, I see something different. I see the one I created. I see the person behind all of that. I see the diamond in the rough. And I want to, with all of my heart, see him come home. There's a homefulness about Jesus' mission. We talked about that last week. There were a tribe, a place where people can find a home and be known. And this is so important, but it's not just about us finding a home. It's about the other person. It's about the empty seat. It's about who else needs to find a home. C3's uh, state mission statement, and there's a few of them, but the very, first, the very first thing, if you were to read a global mission statement, it says this, that the true north of C3 is the salvation of lost people. The true north of this church is the salvation of lost people. And I feel super convicted preaching this message. Because I don't know about you, but I can get quite comfortable in a room with 20 people I know and actually do nothing through the week that might see another person sit in the seat and find the loving message of Jesus Christ, I can quite easily start prepping messages for the followers of Jesus, like this, to encourage you to be the person of Jesus, but not even think about there's someone in here that hasn't even known Jesus. I can get so used to being a person that doesn't even worry about giving an an opportunity to find Jesus after a message on Sunday. I can quite easily get to a place where I don't even think that I need to bring the gospel of Jesus to a message on Sunday. How far can we stray? How easy it is for us to get off course. It's easy. So I feel convicted this morning, but isn't that good? Isn't that good? Because I'm convinced, church, that this is how this is how the church will grow. It's not it's not about having the fanciest whatever. Now I love the excellence, and I I love that we can create an environment where people come in and go, this is pretty cool, this is pretty, you know, it's different. I, I love that that it can represent us. The environment, you come into our house and and the environment will, will represent us. Sometimes that's good, and sometimes it'll represent the fact that we've got a crazy household with five kids, a dog and a cat, and it's just nuts. But anyway, there's a culture and an atmosphere, but it, and this is an environment that gets to represent us and Jesus, right? So I love that. But no one's getting saved off some beautiful lights, right? What's going to draw people is Jesus in you, pulling them to him. And this is what I see when I read Acts. It says that as they met day by day and as they went about being the family of God, God added to their number. There was a relational connection that happened as they were being the church together together. But there are some things that we are called to be. There are some things that we want to be. There's some, some some things that we want to keep in front of us and keep focused as a church, C3 Wellington. And so I want to tell you a vision that God gave me before we moved down here, a very impactful vision that spoke to the priority uh, that we ought to have as the, uh, as the church that God was about to plant. And so what it was is a vision, as, and, and I haven't talked about visions <laughs> for a wee while, but uh, in my quiet time, i just see, like, movies running. In, in my prayer time, i just see, like, a movie running before my eyes. I was, like, watching it, and then I'd write that thing down. And, and this is one of those moments. And so I'm on the beach. I'm on a, it's a beautiful day. I'm on the beach. Uh, waves are crashing onto the beach. It's really, really lovely. People are sunbathing over here, and some people are playing volleyball over here. And, and uh, it's Bex and I. We're together, and we're just on this beach just, just, just taking in the beauty of the day. It's amazing. It's just such an awesome... Sp- and actually, we're not actually that big beach people, are we, to be fair? I'll take the bush over the beach. Is that sacrilege to say that? <laughs> the bush over the beach. I like the beach. I like to see the ocean. I like the view of the ocean, but I don't necessarily have to partake. But, anywho, uh, so anyway, we're on the beach and, uh, and we're taking it in. But all of a sudden, we realized that out beyond the breakers, out beyond the waves crashing, there were people in the water and they were struggling and they were crying out for help and they were, they, they were fighting for their lives. And we're like, all of a sudden, this moment of beauty and like splendor turned into a moment of. Of oh my gosh we have got to do something about it and as we as we think what are we going to do we see on the beach in the sand just the nose of a dinghy sticking out of the sand and so we start frantically digging up this dinghy digging up this dinghy so that we can get it out of the sand so we can put it in the water and we row out and and I we start pulling people into the boat and as many people as we can and we get back to shore and there's another dinghy and so these people start digging out that dinghy and and, sending, and before you know we got people going out trying to rescue as many people as possible and as we're doing this and we realise we're, we're like there's a sense of urgency about about what's going on here. There are people's lives at risk and we turn around and there's still people like lying on the beach and playing beach volleyball and completely oblivious to the carnage that is happening beyond the breakers. And it made me realize that it's just so easy, isn't it? It's so easy in life to get to a place where you're oblivious To the destination of someone's eternity, that we can be completely oblivious to the fact that people's lives—we're not—we're not—we're not not just talking about come and be a part of a community here. We're talking about eternal salvation. We're talking about life and death. This is massive, right? And so it's so easy for us to be numbed down, and and I feel like the enemy's ploy is just to have us in a place that we think that we're ineffective. And 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 we and we and, and one of the key things I feel like there's the massive distraction is just that just you start thinking about your life and building your kingdom. And so much of your thought life goes into your world and what you're doing. And, 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 and before you know it, you're, you're, you're navel-gazing. And you, you forget that, actually. It's not actually about me right now. And so I feel like that's quite an easy thing to slip into. But come on, C3 Wellington. We've got to have a priority of lost people. We've got to have a priority of bringing people to Jesus. We want to be boat people. Yeah? We don't want to be we don't want to be beach people. We want to be boat people. We don't want to be volleyball people. We want to be boat people. Come on. I didn't choose the boat life, but the boat life chose me. Hallelujah. Come on. We want to be those sorts of people that are mission focused that we care about bringing people far from God close to him. That that our ministry must move from the platform to the people. And this is so critical. It's not about. It's not about creating. I'm not again. Like, I'm not saying that we shouldn't have this ministry and that ministry. But I'm just saying that your ministry and my ministry is the reconciliation of people back to Christ. It doesn't matter what you're gifted in, what you're passionate about. That is our ministry. You don't need it to be formalized. You don't need it to be stamped. You don't have to meet every Tuesday night. Those things are good. But I'm just saying you have the ministry. You have it on your life. You have the ability, you carry the hope of the world to transform and change someone's life in your world. God puts you where he puts you on purpose. We are the church, therefore we are the ministers. We are the ministers. So much of this uh, set up in church thinks that this person with a microphone is the important person, and you just come to listen. But no, 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 no. It says in Ephesians that we're to train and equip the people for the work of the ministry. That that the work of the ministry is the people. That it's our responsibility as the people to do the work of the ministry, to bring and draw and let God move through us, that the people might find Jesus. And so I've got three points this morning on how we can do this. What does this mean for us, C3 Wellington here? Let's get some applicable, some practical, some pragmatic steps. Can we do that this morning? I think that would be quite helpful if we have something pragmatic. Okay, so we are the church that goes. We are the church that goes. So, as I said, you carry the Spirit of God inside you. You have the best news ever. The best news ever. Hmm. It's remarkable, isn't it? The Gospel of Jesus, isn't it remarkable? Can you remember your life prior to Jesus? And what a remarkable thing to find the love of God. Although that word means it's worthy of remarking. It's worthy of talking about. It's remarkable. It's worthy of telling someone about it. It's worthy of of, of bringing it to the conversation. It's worth talking about. The Bible says you're an ambassador for God. That you represent Him. That you have a mission field around you. Your family, your work, your school, your friends. This is your ocean. And do you see them drowning? This isn't a challenging point, but do you see through the lens of the beach and the boats, do you see that those around you are crying out for a life raft? This is, I believe, this is just such a ploy. That, that we, that, that the gospel of Jesus Christ, and this is a, a kind of a funny analogy, but I'm going to say it anyway, that in the kitchen, you have different appliances. We have a thermomix, praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for thermomixes. That gets used daily. And we get some amazing things getting cranked out of our kitchen. I have the the best cook. You know, it's amazing. I'm very, very blessed. We eat very well in the Hinton family. Um, Our kids just grow up like, that's normal, right? It's amazing that, um, anyway... But we've also, there are, in other people's kitchens, there are other kind of uh, appliances, right? Like, some, some of you might have a juicer. You've probably heard this before, but I'm going to say it anyway. You might have a juicer, and you bought that juicer because you thought, I'm going to get on this juice kick, and I'm going to start juicing everything I can get my hands on. I'm going to juice oranges, and God forbid, beetroot, and carrots, and kale, and I'm going to turn, and I'm going to start drinking purple juice, and I'm going to be all, all about it, and green juice. Green and purple, like, green and purple juice, people. Are you serious? Anyway. <laughs> and so you're you're on this juice kick, and you do this for a few months. But then you know you know you sort of you know you kind of you get over the the taste of drinking dirt juice, and you put the you put the you put the juice away and. And it's good to have the juicer because you might get it out every now and then and use it, but to be honest, you don't need it. Like, you can get along away without it. You know, there's plenty of, you might, you might need the oven, you might need the microwave, you might need the stove, you might need some other bits and pieces, but the juicer is an optional extra to your kitchen life, to your cooking life. And some of us can feel like Jesus, when we've got people in our world that don't know him, it's like we're trying to sell a juicer. that We think that people see it like a juicer, like, hey, it's good for you, and your juice kick. Good for you, you, you you're all about your juice life, but I'm happy eating steak thank you jesus and i don't want to juice my steak so i'm happy doing this and i'm happy doing that i don't need a juicer it's an optional extra for you it's good for your life but not for me and we can see the gospel like that can't we that we've got people in our world that if we were to bring it up they would like i don't need it i've made my decision it's good for you and your little crutch or whatever it is and it makes you whatever but it's not for me right and so we can feel like intimidated that they don't even want it they don't need it but let me tell you something we're not peddling juices we're throwing lifesavers We're throwing life preservers. They are drowning in the ocean of life and we've got something that we can throw them to rescue them, to save them through your testimony. The Bible says people will come to know him. Your story is your testimony, is is your in and just to give God the glory and you are throwing when you do that life preservers. Come on, we are the church that goes. Do you see them as drowning? Come on, we have a choice, the boat or the beach. Let's choose the boat, yeah? Amen. All right, we're the church that comes. If we're the church that goes, we're also the church that comes. I love that Jesus' parable of the lost sheep. It says the lamb was carried back and returned home. The isolated was brought back into the group. The lambs were gathered back together and reunited and they celebrated together What a difference it makes to be together. We talked about this last Sunday. There's a growing trend in global churches of a decline in church attendance, both in total attendance and frequency. One research study showed that the average attendance of a committed church member is one in three Sundays. That is the average average attendance of a committed church member, one in three. (laughs) Come on, the culture of church is moving from the beach to the, uh, we need. Sorry, let me say that again. The culture of churches moving from the boat to the beach. When We've got to be so careful that we the, the busyness of life, the exhaustion of life, the non-stop of life, and then Sunday rolls around, and you've just got hundred and one things. You're you you. There's so, we're in the uh, in the in the culture of just of just uh, uh, choices, aren't we? The culture of you can you can so much that you can spend your time on. There's just not enough time. Like, there's so many Netflix series we want to get through. There is, there is this I want to do and that I want to do. And I just don't have enough. There's just, we've just got so much choice, so much opportunity, and things get squeezed out. So you look at your plate in life, and it's like, it's amazing. It's amazing. But the, we can scrape off church and, 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 and Sundays and, and being with the family of God really quickly, if we're not, and, and, and replace it with other things. And I'm just saying that, that we need to be the church that comes. We've got to understand that when you're not here, we're missing out. You've got to understand that that you're as important as anyone else in this room to the atmosphere of the room. That you being here can make an eternal difference in the life of someone else. That if you're not here, the room suffers. What you bring is important. I don't know if you know this, but you being here is vital. Do you know that? Do you understand that you you being in the room is so important? So, so so important that conversation that you might just have and, that, and when, when, when Pastor Bex says, come on, let's get up and just give it at the back and say, and you could go over and just say something that just changes something, just shifts. the Holy Spirit can speak through, so ministry can happen just like that, organically, because you were here. So, I mean, look, you can, you can list a million different kind of transactions that could happen that God can shift and use us to do and he does, right? But if you're not in the room, that's un- that can't happen. I'm in sales and the adage of sales the mantra of sales if you don't ask the answer is if you don't ask the answer is no the the skill of sales is actually having the confidence just to ask yeah. and be okay with whatever response they're not rejecting me they're rejecting the the opportunity of the product or whatever it is the service whatever it is that and then there's not even a rejection it might be just i'm unsure i need i've got some i've got some things i i need a certainty about but if you don't ask you don't know you can't help that person. If they say, "Hey, so, hey, do you want to do it?" Should we go for it? Well, I'm just... Under- oh, yeah, what, what, what would... What would stop me from making a decision? There. Well, I just... I, I got this other quote, whatever it might be, right? But you can work through that. But if you don't ask, <laughs> the answer is no. If, you don't, if you're not in the room, you can't make a difference. I want you to know, that in C3 Wellington, you are the, as the, just as much. You're as important as any other person. It doesn't matter if they're up here. Here, everyone has a part to play. And I want you to see that. I want you to come on a Sunday going, you know what? I have a part to play this morning. I'm just not an attendee. I'm not just here to sit in the seat. I'm coming to bring something and I can shift the atmosphere and I can change someone's world and the gospel of Jesus can shine through me in very practical ways, just about you being you. So important. You know, it's It's a challenge to know how to lead out Sunday culture as far as we don't want to be berating or, or calling people to, to feel, you know, like we don't want to create condemnation and things like that. But, but at the same time, we want to call you to, to, to a culture that and, and gets you to understand the importance of it, like understand the importance of you being here, being here when we kick off. Like, you know, it's, it's just, it's just, I feel like this is like a hard one to talk about, but like we've got 10 o'clock prayer. Be a part of it. Service starts at ten thirty. Be here a little bit earlier. Get a chance to say something to somebody. Get ready to come in. Be ready on the front for for the first song. That stuff matters hugely. Now look, grace for everybody, right? I'm just glad you're here, right? Like it's not like oh come on, no, no no no, I'm glad you're here. But come on, if we if we if this matters and it matters. I want to re-sharpen, just get you to refocus on what your life can do in the environment of a Sunday. It's so important. You, matter, my friend, you've been here honestly. Someone could end up saying yes to Jesus. Just, be, oh, it's just so. Oh, I can go on, but you get the point, right? Can I? It's like you know they they rate torches like headlamps because you know I know headlamps, but they rate them by lumens. Okay, another way they rate, rate them is by candle power which is this light coming in from this head torch is if you were to have this many candles, that's how many candles it would be lit up, right? And so I'm just saying that every one of us is like a candle, right? And we just get, it just gets brighter and brighter and brighter, the gospel of Jesus Christ, as we bring our light into this place. I'm convinced that Sundays are still the place where people meet Jesus. I'm still convinced that, the, that Sundays is the opportunity for people to find Jesus and find a home. I'm convinced that this is, it's not the only place, but it is definitely, it's got to be priority for us. That as we come on a Sunday, people are going to find Jesus. You know, and your light matters to that. It absolutely matters. Do you see that? Do you feel that this morning? That your light matters. By the way, one candle power is 12.5 lumens. You can write that down. All right. (laughs) Let me read this. Matthew 5, 14, 16. Your lives light up the world. Let others see your light from a distance. But how can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop? And who would light a lamp and then hide it in an obscure place? Instead, it's placed place where everyone in the house can benefit from it, from its light. So don't hide your light. Your light in this place makes a difference. Come on, how much brighter when we're together? Darkness always gives way to light. Your light, your worship, your amen can make a difference. Coming is choosing the boat life. Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German theologian, said sin demands to have a man by himself. I'm going to read that again. Sin demands to have a man by himself. Isolation. There's something about just coming. Let's not isolate ourselves. Maybe some of us today need to make a fresh commitment to coming, putting a higher priority on Sundays. And why? Because lost people matter. All right, last point. We are the church, and Troy, you can come and join me. We are the church that brings. We're the church that goes. We're the church that comes. And we are the church that brings. And uh, maybe saying like what Pastor Bex just said, maybe you need to share the gospel again with your workmate. Maybe that feels really daunting and intimidating. I don't know about you. That feels like a massive step, Right? It's like, you, it feels like you're going from zero to ten. Like, you're just like, surely there's some steps in between. You know, like, just maybe saying God bless or something. You know, like, oh, bless you. It's just say that. It's, it's, you know, like, you know, just bring in some real Christian language. And they like, go, oh, you just see, you know, like, even that. Like, I was listening to a podcast, and the guy, the guy on the podcast said, oh, yeah, I just felt really blessed. I'm like, that's, this guy must be a Christian. Because who says that? Like, it was a board game podcast, and the, and the designer said, oh, yeah, I just felt really blessed. I'm like, you're a Christian. <laughs> I know it, I can tell, Christian language. Maybe, maybe just that is a massive step, right? Maybe you're saying, but Steve, I'm not evangelical. Like those, there's ev- evangelical people that really are passionate about sharing the gospel. Like if they could, they'd get down on, on the corner, they'd hand out things, they'd just talk to people, they'd get down to a mall, they're just, they're just passionate, you know? And I'm not wired that way. I, I, I want people to find Jesus but I'm not wide evangelistic. Like, that's really awkward and hard for me. Well, can I just say that maybe something we can do is just create a culture of inviting. Hey, would you like to come? Yeah, see? Just are just talking about there. Just a culture of inv- invitation. Just say, hey, I, hey, I'm going to this burger night. Do you want to come? Some, some, some of the crew from church. I'm going to Simon and Sierra's for this cruise night. It's a pumping atmosphere. They have an amazing little dog. They love the dog. Do you want to come? What do you do? Well, we just we unpack the message on Sunday. We hang out with you know. It's it's, it's, it's. yeah, man. Do you want to come to church camp and, and do some zumba? No, Maybe that's a stretch, but you know. Just a culture of invitation. You know something? You know that people long to be included? Have you ever wondered that you think that the invitation is an awkward step, but do you ever wonder that people know that this is a part of your world and you never invite them? What does that say? I'm so sold out for this person called Jesus Christ and I'm a part of this amazing church where we do life together, but I'm not going to invite you into it. Right? Right? they know enough about you, they know that this is part of your life, maybe they're just waiting for an invitation. And it's okay if they say no. But remember what I said, if you don't ask, the answer is no. It's okay So say, hey, look, it's cool. I may ask you again in a few weeks. And it's okay if you say no. But I just want to let you know that you're, in, I, want to, I just want to include you and I want to, to let you know that if you ever want to. So I'll, let's make an agreement. You're okay to say no and I'm okay to ask you. You know what I mean? And we're going to be cool with whatever, right? And that sows a seed. And it also keeps you committed to ask. <laughs> I really believe this is the way that we grow. I really believe that the way that we grow as a church is invitation and inviting people. Yes, we can market. Yes, we can get on social media. Yes, we can have great this and great that and just people see it and go, ooh, you know, stumble across us, stumble across our website think I'm going to check that church out. But isn't it much better when it comes organically through you? Come and... and here's what I'd like to think. Huh. As I said about, you know, apathy, can, we talked about revival starting with us and apathy can creep into lives. It's true, it just happens, right? No, no condemnation, it happens to all of us. But there's something about you inviting and knowing that your friend or work colleague or something is coming. What does that do to your Sunday? You're going to be here on time. <laughs> you're going to make sure You've got a reason. You've got a you. You've got you've got some buy-in. You're caring. You're invested. Isn't it incredible? You're hoping like heck that that guy preaches a decent message, <laughs> and that the worship team does an all right job. And you're just like you're invested. You're like come on, come on, team, let's knock it out of the park today. Let's make it great because my friends here, because it matters to you, because it matters to Jesus. This is how we grow. This is this is how this church goes forth and be be the church that God's called us to be, that we become boat people, that we become those that go, that are those that come and those that invite. Right now, who is it in your world that God has placed you by them and next to them and you can say, hey, do you want to come? To fill in the blank. Maybe it's Sunday. Maybe we, we, we want them in the room, but maybe there's some steps before that. Maybe it's just, do you want to grab a coffee? Let the Holy Spirit guide you, here's what I would say. If we decide we want to cooperate with the Holy Spirit, you're going to be put in situations to draw people to Jesus. That's the bottom line. Because Jesus is all about that lost person. The Holy Spirit is all about what Jesus is all about. When you start cooperating with the Spirit of God, you're going to be put in situations to invite. You're going to be put in situations to share. You're going to be put in situations to speak encouragement and life and and truth. And God's going to use you as we put ourselves out there to be used. This is going to happen. If you say, God what do we do today? He says, I, I feel like this is, like if you, it's the same with finances. I don't think there's ever a time, and when you say, God, in a moment, what would you like me to give? He's like, no, I don't want you to give today. I don't want you, there's nothing I want you know. Often he's going to say, I want you to do this, because he wants us to be those that he can pour through. He's looking for people that he can pour through. The Bible says that the harvest is plentiful, but the work is a few. There, it's not a juice, and this is not juice, this is life savers. This is the harvest is plentiful. There are people there searching, hungry, and more now more than ever, going through COVID and lockdown and mass wearing all the things that we're doing right now and, and, and freedoms getting taken and things in upheaval and do I have a job? And more now than ever, people are searching for meaning and searching for what is this all about? And you carry the answer. I carry the answer. Come on, church, let's stand.